You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to this Thursday program. It's hour one. Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick Show. Got football tonight. Got baseball. We got it all. College football last night. Had a little surprise there with Coastal Carolina and App State. Phone calls are always welcome. Emails, tweets, all around support. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Say good morning to our radio partners around the country, around the world, and also our streaming partner, Peacock. Full NBA opening slate last night. No word on Ben Simmons. Deshaun Watson in play now. We'll discuss that coming up in a little bit. Tonight, Braves-Dodgers game five. Also, Bucks in the Heat, Clippers, and the Warriors. Speaking of the Dodgers, the starters had just two hits last night. And uh, leave it to uh, Eddie Rosario. Hit two home runs, six Atlanta pitchers combined to limit the Dodgers to a total of four hits. Braves beat the Dodgers 9-2, up three games to one in the National League Championship Series. Now, normally what happens when you have a dramatic win like the Dodgers had previously, where they come back down 5-2, Cody Bellinger with the three-run homer, Mookie Betts, the game-winning RBI, and everybody thinks, okay, now's when momentum happens. And there's a baseball adage, a baseball saying, momentum is the next day's pitcher. Momentum is only as good as the next day's pitcher. Uh, Jim Leland used this back in the mid-'80s a lot. I'm not sure who gets credit for it. It might be Earl Weaver, former Oriole manager. But we keep thinking... Oh, you got that momentum. Well, when you run into a good pitching staff or good pitcher, that's your mom, your, your momentum stopper right there. You know, the lineups change, everything, you know, the time you're playing, who you're facing, righty, lefty. You keep thinking that, oh, my gosh, we're blowing somebody out. Now we're going to start hitting again. And that wasn't the case again last night. Two hits for the Dodgers starters. And now your season is on the line. Game five. Braves at the Dodgers. The Astros rolled the Red Sox 9-1, and uh, they're now up three games to two. You know, I, I don't want Braves fans to take this personally, even though you have, because I keep hearing, reading, seeing where you're saying, why are you rooting for the Dodgers and the Astros? I don't have a rooting interest other than what is the story that I can tell nationally on this show? That's it. Dodgers, Astros. I can tell that story. People are interested in that story. The Braves are a good story. They picked up some players at the trade deadline who have been great. But it's not a national story. The Red Sox, they're not a national story. Good story, but not a national story. I just don't want you to take it personally. You know, it's not like I like the Astros. But I like the Astros in the World Series because it's a great story to tell. Given what has happened, if they face the Dodgers, it's a great story to tell. And I stop rooting, and I've said this before on the show, but for those who are new, I'll reiterate. Once I started doing this at ESPN, when I started doing this full-time, I put my allegiance to the side. I grew up a Reds fan, Cleveland Browns fan, later a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I don't root for those teams. Now, do I root for a good storyline? Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow? Absolutely. Joey Votto with the Reds? Yeah, it's a good story. But I don't root for them the way I once did when I was just a fan. Give me the best story. Even if it means something bad happens to the Bengals or the Cincinnati Reds. So if it's the Dodgers and the Astros, I think it's good for baseball. 
but don't take it personally if you're a Red Sox fan. By the way, for you Red Sox fans who keep booing Correa, Altuve, and Bregman, you do know your manager was part of the cheating scandal. Just, just, I just want to let you know. Details. Yeah, I know. They're like booing Altuve and Bregman, Correa. And then, uh, oh, that's right. Our manager was on the Astros in 2017. So just letting you know. It's kind of silly. You're going to boo those guys. Meanwhile, your manager, hey, he's our manager. Uh, This program is brought to you by PaniniAmerica.net. You want cards, the hottest rookie cards, biggest superstars, the all-time greats, only one place to collect them all, Panini Trading Cards, instant classics, autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, the hottest rookie cards. You can start or continue your collection now at PaniniAmerica.net. Also, make sure you go to the DP Show store, DanPatrick.com, the Justin Herbert-inspired Chargers t-shirt, Football is fun, and Aaron Rodgers still owns the Bears, plus a bunch of uh, T-shirts available at DanPatrick.com. By the way, uh, the former Chicago Bear offensive lineman, uh, was it Owen Owen Krutz? Owen Krutz. Owen Krutz. He uh, was on the score in Chicago, and he was talking about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers calling out the Chicago Bears saying, I own you. And uh, Olin Krutz, the former Bears offensive lineman, had this to say. When you see Aaron Rodgers run into the end zone, and he, he apparently was flipped off, and he tells the crowd, I, I still own you, I still own you, I've owned you my whole blanking life. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? I like and, to punch him in his face. To yeah, yeah. yeah, I like to punch him in his face. Uh, when you see that, that's your first reaction, right? Um, I don't care if you're right. I don't, you know, I don't care what his excuse is. That's just is your first reaction. I don't care if he, you know, I don't know. To me, that's that's a lame excuse at the podium. I saw some lady flick me off and I blacked out. Look, 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 just just say you that, that's how you, we all know this is the kind of guy you are. You know, competitive and that's the way you feel. And you have won a lot of games here at Soldier Field. Uh, and, you know, just because you're right, it doesn't make you right for doing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so many more important things than what Aaron Rodgers did. Not in Chicago this week. Oh, it's so sad. Sad. He does own you. All he did is reiterate that. Do you realize this happens all the time? It's just the cameras were rolling on him. And Aaron Rodgers said, hey, I said this. Woman flipped me off. And then you had people saying, nobody flipped you off. And then people had pictures of people flipping off Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't just one person. It was a couple of people, like eight or nine people. But uh, Olin Krutz, who once punched one of his teammates, I believe, in the face. Um, but I he get, didn't yell at the Packers crowd that week. Well, apparently his, uh, his teammate maybe didn't say, you know, I own you. But, wow, there are just so many other things so, so <laughs> that are so much more important than this. Yeah, I'd punch him in the face. Okay. I mean, I would believe him. You know, he did sound serious. And he has punched a teammate in the face. So I'd, you know, but man, I saw that. I was like, really? Do you see where Tom Brady congratulated Aaron Rodgers on becoming a part-time owner of the Chicago Bears? <laughs> I thought that was great, too. Hey, I want to congratulate Aaron. You know, he's, uh, he's a part-time owner of the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bears. I love that. Yeah, Paul. I was watching that clip of Brady, and he's got, like, notes. 
he had like jokes ready to go. I think he's got Jeff Ross or someone writing for him because he was like, you know, I found look at Brady and he kind of looks peeks down his notes. I think he's got a joke writer. He's got some good material. Yes, McLovin. Doesn't feel like Aaron Rodgers seems awfully happy in Green Bay this year. Yeah. Well, I did see this, whether it's true or not. Would the Packers consider trading Jordan Love? You want to say something to Aaron Rodgers? You want to have a nice olive branch, a nice Hallmark greeting card? You trade Jordan Love? Now, you better know that Aaron Rodgers is going to stay. Because <laughs> knowing Rodgers, he'd be like, hey, I didn't tell you to trade him. But uh, not that they're going to, and I don't know what the market is for him, but I saw where would they trade him. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I've been saying all along that Miami wants him, Philadelphia wants him, and also Carolina wants him. Now, those coaches and GMs and owners have to you know, give you the obligatory, no, we're happy with who we have. No, they're not, if they can get Deshaun Watson. There's a lot of things in play here. I know that the owner wants Deshaun Watson in Miami. The question is, what do you give up? Is it conditional with Deshaun Watson? Once he gets traded, does he get suspended? Which doesn't seem fair. Why not suspend him now? He's not playing, but he goes to Miami. Do you suspend him for eight games or however long you're going to suspend him for? And if you're Miami, can you ask the commissioner? Is he going to, how long will he be suspended? If we trade for him, is he suspended right away? Because he's not going to give his deposition in these civil lawsuits until February at the earliest. Do you make the trade? What do you give up? What do the Texans want in return? The other part of this is they don't want Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Now there's talk of a three-team trade. Maybe Washington, the Washington football team. Uh, Tua's brother plays at the University of Maryland, starting quarterback there. I don't know if that would factor in or matter to him. He wants to go where he's going to play. The Lions is also a possibility, from what I was told, because the previous regime did like Tua in Detroit. But I don't know. Texans don't want him. And the question is, you know, I think they like what they have in Davis Mills, rookie quarterback out of Stanford, at least right now. But there's no franchise-turning quarterback in this year's draft, in my opinion. There's, there's not one of those, oh my gosh, let's tank for this. But the Dolphins, if you're going to make that trade, what do you give up? And is it conditional on how much he plays? Because he might not be suspended until 2022. And that might be best-case scenario. You don't know about the, the legalities of everything that's going on here. And can you, can you say to Deshaun Watson, we'll trade for you, settle these lawsuits? Like, I don't know what's in play here. But, but there's a lot of questions I have. If I'm Miami, what, what am I trading for? What happens when we get him? What are the draft picks I have to give up? Because the Texans were still holding out. They wanted draft picks and they wanted starters. I don't know if you're going to lessen your, your trade demands. But this has been percolating, and February 2nd is the trade deadline. Mike Florio's been all over this. Florio join us coming up a little bit later on. Yeah, Paul. I, I was wondering if the owner of the Dolphins could contact the league office, Roger Goodell, off the record and get information like, where are we? What's the status? What's likely to happen there? Is it, would that be a competitive advantage if one owner knew and the rest didn't? I don't think you could do it. 
If I'm the commissioner... Off the books, off the record? Nothing is off the books and off the record. It may feel like it. When somebody says, hey, off the record, every time I've had somebody quote not quote me off the record, they've quoted me off the record, you know, but doing it in a uh, kind of a clandestine way. Hey, off the record. No, it's not off the record because once I tell you, then you're going to tell somebody else. That's how it works. Then that person can use your quote. I can't off the record. I don't think you can go to the commissioner yeah, off the record here because the commissioner can't be giving a competitive because if Philadelphia wants him and Carolina wants him, then I know Deshaun Watson doesn't want to go to Philadelphia. I think he would go to Carolina, but I can't give the Dolphins a competitive advantage. Although the commissioner serves these owners, I think he would have to hear it from somebody who told somebody who then would leak it to the Dolphins. Yeah, McLevin. Are we sure the NFL knows what it's doing with Deshaun Watson? No. I don't, I don't think they have the slightest. What's he going to tell him? I don't think they know. No. I, well, the commissioner could say that, um, you know, we're going to suspend him once he starts to play again. Or once this is cleared up, whatever happens with these civil lawsuits, then maybe he sits down for eight games. But I don't know when that's going to be. It, it could be next season to start the season. He's down for eight games. Um, the Dolphins have the 49ers pick, by the way. That's when they moved up. They wanted to take Trey Lance, and they got their pick. But they did give up their first-round pick to the Eagles so they could move up from 12 to 6 to take Jalen Waddle. Yes, Paul. How are the Eagles not in play for this? They're desperate for a star quarterback. He doesn't want to go there. Plain does, he and have simple. That, does he have that much? Yes, he has a no trade clause. Oh boy! Yes, imagine giving a twenty-four-year-old quarterback <laughs> a no trade clause. What are you thinking? Well, you're the Texans. Yes, McLeod. I don't. Doesn't a team need to be win now? The Eagles are basically they're going to have to start from scratch. All their veterans are a hundred years old. Yeah. I don't know that Deshaun Watson's a great fit there. They need to draft. Someone. He doesn't want to go there. Yeah. Doesn't matter if he's a great fit or not. He doesn't want to go to Philadelphia. Carolina, he would go to Carolina, from what I'm told. But Miami is the destination. And Miami is now desperate. I mean, that, that is a franchise with no identity. And they haven't had an identity for a long time. I mean, we still are living off Dan Marino fumes. Hey, throw in Chad Pennington if you want to. But, like, there, there's nothing going on there. They need something. Yeah, I'm pulling. For a star quarterback, Deshaun Watson's contract is kind of friendly. He's under contract completely for the next four years from whatever team gets him, and the average salary per year is about $33 million, Yeah. Which and, and they did not have to pay his signing bonus. So the team that acquires him only has to pay that salary, not any part of that early signing bonus. We'll get to phone calls. We'll settle on a uh, poll question today, stat of the day, play of the day, all of that forthcoming. We'll take a break here. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. You finding it harder to keep up with the younger guys at the gym or the office? Time for M-Drive, the everyday supplement for driven guys who refuse to let age slow them down. Playing golf yesterday, and one of the guys I'm playing against is 37 years of age. And he's in great shape. He's a trainer. Well, guess who was hitting the ball past? The 37-year-old trainer. Hello. Hello. Uh, pack with clinically tested ingredients. Now, I'm not saying M-Drive will help you with your drives on the golf course, but... You uh, help maintain lean muscle. You got energy to fight back against aging. You can find M-Drive at Walgreens, Rite Aid, and Vitamin Shop. Visit mdrivedan.com. Have it delivered right to your door. 
They offer free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee, nothing to lose. We're all getting older. Doesn't mean we have to slow down for a 37-year-old trainer named Joe. M-Drive gives your body the T-support it needs to compete and win. M-Drive, not for everyone, but for the driven. Visit mdrivedan.com for more strength, energy, and T-support to fuel your daily drive. Don't let age beat you. Visit mdrivedan.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Got a play of the day coming up. Poll question as well. Your phone calls. Still waiting for an answer from the Philadelphia 76ers on what happens with Ben Simmons. The Sixers responded to an email. We will have an answer by 5.30 reporting deadline later today, still working through logistics. We were asking about Ben Simmons' status for Friday night's game. They won last night. They beat a Pelicans team without Zion Williamson, who's still out following foot surgery. And then they have a day off today. And then they have their home opener against the Nets coming up on Friday night. The question is, is Ben Simmons going to be in the building? Will he be in uniform? And if so, is he going to play? How will the fans react to him? But they will have an answer coming up at 5.30 Eastern today. The Sixers still working through the logistics, whatever that means. Yes, Paul. If you're Sixers management and Doc Rivers, don't you make him eligible to play tomorrow night? Start him like normal to keep the illusion that he may stay a Sixer for the trade process or no? I don't think anybody's buying the illusion. <laughs> like this isn't David Blaine or David Copperfield. There, There is no illusion here. But if he doesn't show up to play, now you can suspend him and uh, you don't have to pay him. But I, I don't think there's any illusion that he wants to play or they want him to play. Yeah, McLovin. And they probably couldn't start him. He hasn't really been practicing. So to just throw him in there like normal, even if... I don't know. Yeah, I mean... We had all those workout videos in the offseason. I mean, as, as a, I'll tell you, I don't even think he should be in the starting lineup anyway. Yeah. Well... They th- finally played Tyrese Maxey last night and destroyed those... Pesky Pelicans. Okay. They're playing the Pelicans. <laughs> I know. I looked at the box score. I'm like, Brandon Ingram and no one I've ever heard of. Exactly. And, you know, the Zion Williamson thing, you know, that off-season surgery, I think that caught a lot of us off guard. We're like, wait, he had surgery on his foot? Well, you got to factor in a lot of things here. Like, it's one thing if it's a knee or some other body part that you're having surgery on. A foot at that size And there are reports that he's up to around 300 pounds. Well, his style of play, and that's something that stays with you, can stay with you your entire career when you have foot issues. Bill Walton famously had foot issues, and it ruined his career. Uh, You know, he played through it, might have been misdiagnosed at some point, but a knee can be fixed. A foot is a little bit different. It's a little trickier there. And at that size, with that playing style, I think people are downplaying this a little bit too much. At least in my opinion, I'm keeping a close eye on Zion Williamson and how we, they don't even know when he's going to play again, which is a little bit concerning. Granted, it's five-month season here. You don't want to bring him back early. You're, you might be playing for a, a play-in game, maybe the final playoff spot. But uh, I watched a lot of basketball last night. My guy, LaMelo Ball, looked awesome again. 
Uh, Jalen Brown looked incredible. Celtics-Knicks, was, that was a fun game. Zach Levine had a great night last night. Uh, Dame Lillard had the ball in his hands and a chance to uh, tie the score against Sacramento um, by Sacramento Kings last night. But, yeah, watched a lot of basketball. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Let's run through the poll questions, McLovin. This isn't even a poll question, but do you think LaMelo Ball can break out as a star if he's playing in Charlotte? as like a national star. I think so, because he came in as a star, and I think we've seen that the market doesn't hold you back. Dame Lillard is in Portland, and he's a star. LeBron, when he was in Cleveland, he was a star. I think it used to be at least the mindset was you got to go to the big markets. Like you got to go to New York. You got to go to LA. Aaron Rodgers famous in Green Bay. Uh, but I, I, I think LaMelo Ball is that good. I don't know how good the team is going to be because you want to get to star status, you get to the playoffs. That's when you get star status. You can be, I mean, the Joker was wonderful during the regular season, won the MVP. But if you're not going to be in the playoffs and playing in big games, you know, Giannis is in Milwaukee. Well, he's a star. Yeah, McLovin. Well, the NBA tried to turn Zion into the entire thing, and he's in New Orleans. Remember they had 20 primetime games to start him with? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But does LaMelo's style play, you've watched so much more of him, is that going to catch on? It seems like he's really exciting. Oh, he is. No, he's a highlight. He is. He's a highlight. And and when he is on the floor, this is why I, I wanted Golden State to take him instead of James Wiseman. It's like, no, that he can play. We get caught up and you don't like his dad. Uh, maybe you kind of uh, compare him to Lonzo. You know, Lonzo was, I'm not going to say a bust, but he was slow in developing an all-around game. But, you know, I do like him and he, and he has improved and now he's with the Bulls. But, you know, LaMelo Ball can play. You know, he's, he's taller than you think. He's more athletic than you think. He's a little bit better shooter. He was knocking down threes last night. But I think we got caught up in you don't like his dad. Therefore, somehow, you know, that's a smear campaign against his kids. I mean, he's got two kids in the NBA. And the other one, I think, LiAngelo is in the G League right now. And I he can shoot. But I don't know if he can, if he's a, you know, I, I watched him in the summer league. I mean, he had some moments in the summer league. But LaMelo Ball is a legit star. I really think that. But so is John Moran. John Moran is in Memphis. John Morant had a great night last night as well. I mean, he's John Morant is he attacks, man. He he's aggressive. Fun to watch. Yeah, McLovin. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Anthony Edwards is emerging a little bit in Minnesota too. Uh, the rookie number one pick last year. Are any of these rookies uh, interest you? I know Kate Cunningham didn't play. Is there anyone you're watching? Not yet. Yeah, I I I think that we're you know you keep waiting like Jalen Green. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green is going to, it feels like he's averaging 20 points. He gets buckets there. Cade Cunningham, uh, you know, very athletic at Oklahoma State. But uh, let me see. You know, Edwards has a couple of dunks, but, you know, he's on a team where he's still in the shadow of, uh, you know, Cat, D'Angelo Russell. But I do think that he has, he's fun to watch. I just don't know if he's got a style that people are going to go, got to watch him. LaMelo Ball, you do want to watch. He's that much fun. Yeah, Paul. I was watching the Knicks Celtics at MSG last night. Those fans, they don't need much to get fired up. They, they need like a decent team. They don't need like a contender. They just want a team maybe like third in the East, 
competitive, make the games fun. They're they're so desperate for a quality team. You saw it last year. The Knicks, I mean, they haven't been relevant in how many decades? They haven't won a title since 1973. I mean, you got a couple of generations that have gone through being Knicks fans, waiting for something magical to happen. They beat the Atlanta Hawks last year in the playoffs, and you would have thought that they won the NBA title. I went to the parade after that. They, they went... They went outside and they were celebrating. It was like it was Coachella. Like you're going, God, dude, put your shirts on, man. You beat the Hawks. One game. You didn't even win the series. Man, you're just desperate. Yes, Todd. So you shouldn't jump up and down on top of cars in the middle of Manhattan after one first round victory. You Beating the Atlanta Hawks? No. You should go quietly back to your apartment and that's it. And not make any noise. Wait until you actually win a series. Yeah, Seaton. Who knew Julius Randle was going to be the catalyst to bring New York back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, McLevin. They're a pretty hard team to figure out how good they are, too. Because they got guys like Julius Randle and Derrick Rose and Kemba. Is that good? They're okay. Really good? They're okay. They're okay. It was fun to watch last night. But it's one game. It's one game. Yeah, Paul. Your guy Obi Toppin out of Dayton, fourteen and five. Yeah, the start of something. Yeah, well, he should be good. <laughs> first round draft pick, pretty high first round draft pick. Uh, Jesse in Atlanta. Good morning, Jess. What's on your mind? Good morning, guys. Uh, love the show. Uh, D- uh, Dan, I just want to say you're like our Deion Sanders man. He came down to Atlanta, did some great stuff, but fortunately, your talents had to take you elsewhere, and uh, now you're doing your own thing. So we appreciate your time here. Thank you, Jess. Um, Yes, sir. So I had a quick statement and then a question for both you and McLovin about Ben Simmons. Okay. So yesterday you had Michael Hayes on, and I got to disagree with him. I don't think Cleveland will want him because, you know, the owner, I mean, it's not its not a secret, doesn't get along with LeBron. He doesn't like his agency. So why would he want to bring someone in when he's with the same agency? On top of that, they've got a good young core, a couple good guards, and the piece in the power forward position, they're solid in pretty much. Um, so I don't think that he would go there. My okay. other thing is this. Since he's in the same agency with LeBron, do you think that maybe notes could be getting passed around where he could take a league minimum? You know, they get, he gets dumped from Philly, goes to L.A. LeBron says, hey, get a ring. We'll help you get your image back. Then you can go anywhere you want. Just get here for a year. We can get you some good minutes, some good play. Then you get a big, you know, max contract. And my question is this. So Philly has had a lot of problems in the front office. They've gone through a lot of stars in the last six to eight years. Is this an issue not only with Ben Simmons, but is there issues inside that office? Because well, you got a new head coach and you got a new GM there, Jess. And Ben Simmons, I could have stopped you at take the league minimum. You know, he, he he's all about making money. I mean, that's that's what he wanted. Uh, would he love to play for the Lakers? Sure. The Lakers don't need any more drama. And they already have enough guys who can't shoot on that team. <laughs> Why am I bringing in Ben Simmons? We, we, we don't. Who are you giving up for Ben Simmons? Because you know what Philadelphia's going to say? Um, we'll take Anthony Davis. They don't want Russell Westbrook. Yeah, McLovin. That's a great point about uh, the Cavs owner not liking Rich Paul, but I think those two star guards on the Cavs are both with Rich Paul, too. Uh, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Oh, really? I, I, the problem is LeBron's agency has so many guys, you can't not work with them. Yeah. 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 And I, I think we've seen, like, 
That's not a reason not to take Ben Simmons because people want to bring LeBron into this. But you can't you can't have him come in and say, "Hey, take the league minimum." Well, Marcus Hayes yesterday, the Philadelphia Inquirer columnist said he it's it's all about money with Ben. He wants to be a star. He wants the money. He's not going to take the league minimum. But I I know we keep coming up with these trade proposals. The only thing I ever saw that I thought was legitimate was C.J. McCollum of the Blazers going to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons. Now, Philadelphia is going to want a little bit more. All right, sweeten the pot there. And then you get Ben Simmons in there, maybe gets away from, you know, big city, big lights, big games, and he's able to kind of resurrect his career. But I, these other ones, hey, send him to Dallas for Kristaps Porzingis. Right. If I'm Philly, I don't want that. Dallas, I don't know. It's hard to find people to work with ball-dominant players like Luka, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. You know, these guys, you know, you stand around. Stand around a lot. Yeah, Paul. Or, uh, yeah, McClellan. Do you think Ben Simmons' value is lower than it was like a month ago now? Like significantly lower? Yeah, because you have a team who doesn't want him. It's, it's like the Texans don't want Deshaun Watson, and he's got legal issues. Okay, you're not getting what you thought you were going to get before all of this came out. Ben Simmons, no, we want him back. No, you don't. Well, this is what we want for him. So you want that for the guy that now you have basically tried to move on from. And, and you're the one that you know downplays his abilities. I mean, all of this stuff has been brought to light. So if I'm trading for Ben Simmons, I'm not giving you what you want. Because I know Philadelphia needs to get rid of him. Yeah, Paul. And if you're the GM of a team that's looking at him, how do you sell that to your fan base? Hey, I just gave up uh, three decent players or one of our best players to get this guy who can't shoot, doesn't want to play, uh, is difficult. How do you sell that as a general manager? Well, that's where he has to. One day, Ben Simmons has to grow up and then say, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and be a great player. I'll prove you wrong. If he needs a chip on his shoulder, you got it now. Now go out and prove that you are a great player. But I don't, I would say to Ben Simmons, and I know I sound like a therapist here. Actually, I'm a parent. That's what I sound like because I would be saying to my 25-year-old, hey, at some point there is adversity. You must overcome the adversity. You must overcome the adversity. Not everybody else. You're the, you're the problem. Not everybody else. And you would say to Ben Simmons, hey, focus on what you do well. And if he goes to any team, I would not let him play point. I would let him be a power forward and just say to him, let's work on our shooting, but we don't have to work on it in the game. Let's just get in the flow of things, do what you do best, rebound, pass, and maybe he gets comfortable at the free throw line. Therefore, he's not in these situations where he's out on the perimeter and these defenses are just going to go, go ahead, Ben. I would say that if I was guarding him. I would encourage him to shoot. Go, Ben, ben go ahead and shoot. That would be my defense on Ben Simpson. Go, Ben, take a shot. Come back down. Hey, you're open again. I play with his head. And this is what's going to happen. I mean, what is said during games to each other, I mean, come on. They're not going to go, hey, Ben, we're rooting for you. Hey, nice shot there. Hope that helps your confidence. Be like, dude, 
You're afraid to shoot. Oh, you're at the, oh, you're going to the line. Nervous? This is what these guys say. And I would be doing that to Ben. But no, these trade proposals. And I haven't heard of anything that has substance. So these insiders, Woj, Shams, I haven't heard anything. It's because everybody's, you know, shied away from what Daryl Morey and the Sixers want. And then it was a Kyrie for Ben. Well, that was just convenient. Do you think there was anything real to that? I never saw like a, a actual report that it was on the verge of happening. If I'm the Nets, I'll take Ben Simmons. Absolutely. On that team with two ball dominant, great scores, and I don't have to have Ben be on the perimeter. Absolutely. I do that in a second. And I get rid of the Kyrie headache. Yes. But if you're Doc Rivers, do you want to trade headaches? And I think Ben would go in there and, you know, he would listen to these star players. He'd listen to Duran and Harden. He doesn't want to listen. He looks at Joel Embiid as a contemporary. Like, hey, we're both, the, we're both great. And you go where you would look up to somebody, you would listen to somebody, and maybe that would help his game. Yeah, see. But it feels like even though they're, you're trading headache for headache, you're still upgrading for Doc Rivers getting Kyrie because you can have the headache that can't score or the headache that, well, I mean, Ben Simmons can score, but he's not a great shooter. Or you could have Kyrie, who is at least going to get you a ton of buckets. If he plays. Yeah. Like, that's a big if. And who's to say that Kyrie doesn't check out again? Now he can practice. Now he can play. He's in Philadelphia. You know, different uh, city mandates there. Okay. Doesn't mean he's going to be in for the long haul. Yeah, McLevin. Nothing ever goes wrong in Philadelphia with the fans and stuff. That's no, a stable place. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> All right. Take a break. We got Thursday night football. And uh, I'm going to defend Baker Mayfield just a little bit. Uh, he's not playing tonight, but I'm going to de- defend him. I know we keep waiting for Baker Mayfield to emerge and be worthy of $40 million uh, a year. But uh, I'll talk about that. And uh, Jared Goff has a chip on his shoulder talking about the Rams returning there. We'll have that for you coming up as well. We'll talk some baseball. One of our favorites, Chris Mad Dog Russo, will join us to recap what happened last night. And does he think the Dodgers have anything left? That'll be coming up back after this with our play of the day. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, my God. The play. The play is called play. Of the day. Runner left side, got it! Check this out. 1-1 one, one pitch. Rosario hits one well to deep right field. Back at the wall. That one is gone. Rosario knocked the living daylights out of it. And it's a 9-2 Braves lead in the ninth. Courtesy of WCNN 680, the fan, Braves Radio Network. 
Rosario is hitting 467 in the playoffs. Highest postseason batting average by any Brave with at least 20 plate appearances since Andrew Jones hit 471 back in 2005. That is your play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by PaniniAmerica.net. Hottest rookies, biggest superstars, all-time greats. Only one place to collect them all. Panini trading cards for instant classics, autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts. Hottest rookie cards. Start to continue your collection now at PaniniAmerica.net. Rosario had four hits for the second time in the series. Last time that happened, Robin Yount, 1982 World Series. Um you know, you start to look at that Braves team, and I don't even think they had 90 wins during the year, but they made some great pickups at the trade deadline, and those players have been great for this team. You got uh, Game 5 coming up tonight, Braves at the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers hitting. You would have thought maybe some momentum carried over from the previous game. The starters had just two hits. Uh, Bucks heat tonight, Clippers and the Warriors. You could argue toughness is one of, if not the most important trait for a football player. And we know Baker Mayfield is tough, but sitting him for tonight's game with his injured shoulder against the Broncos is a smart move. And the expectations are really high in Cleveland. The Browns won a playoff game last year, and they hope to go even further. Case Keenum is a capable, experienced backup, but if you look at where this franchise wants to go, expects to go, you're going to need Baker Mayfield to lead them there. Not that they need Baker Mayfield to be the next Dan Marino, but you got a running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, even though they're not healthy. You got a really good offensive line. You got some impact players on defense. And I don't know if this time off will help Baker Mayfield because it's his left shoulder. But for the Browns team that has legit postseason aspiration, you got to do whatever you can do to make Baker Mayfield healthy or healthier. But in fairness to Baker Mayfield, He's played for how many head coaches? At least three. How many offensive coordinators? At least three. It's really tough to ask somebody to show stability when the organization has had no stability whatsoever. But you have Kevin Stefanski in there. You do, I think, have an offensive blueprint for success with your team. Run the football, play action. Baker Mayfield in a different generation would be a game manager. Quarterbacks don't like to be referred to as game managers now. But back when you had Bart Starr, Brian Greasy, a lot of quarterbacks were game managers. You could even say Joe Montana was. Troy Aikman was a game manager. These guys weren't throwing for 35 touchdowns. This is Baker Mayfield has to almost embrace that. And this is what this team is. This is who we are. You don't want to color outside the lines here. You want to do what you do well. And if you now have stability, or at least you think you do, tap into that. I'm not trying to make something more out of Baker Mayfield than he is. But there's nothing wrong with being a Troy Aikman-type quarterback. Take what you can when you can. Be reliable. Be available. Don't do stupid things like trying to make a tackle on an interception. Run the football. Rely on your defense. Don't make mistakes. Score in the red zone. Touchdowns, not field goals. Like, those are the goals that Baker Mayfield and the Browns should have. There's a lot of guys who have a lot of numbers, but they don't, I mean, what do they have to show for it? Phillip Rivers has a lot of passes, passing yards, touchdowns. Matt Stafford, they have nothing to show for it. 
Baker Mayfield should look at this as I'm a field general. I remember Alex Smith would be so upset at me because I called him a game manager. And I meant it as a compliment because there are game managers in the Hall of Fame. Not everybody's Patrick Mahomes. There are a lot of quarterbacks who want to be or think they are, and they're not. But that means understanding your coaching staff, what they want, what is the game plan, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, what's my strength, what's my weakness. And Baker Mayfield, be a game manager. Yeah, McLovin. By the way, if you need them, I have a whole list of excuses if Case Keenum doesn't. My guy, Case Keenum, doesn't play well tonight. Mm. This is a, by the way, same problem, Baker. Everybody's out. The whole team's out. Is Teddy Bridgewater playing? I believe so. Todd, is Teddy Bridgewater playing he for your He's expected Bronco? to play. That's what I heard so far as of last night. But right. uh, there's always that Drew Locke. That's what you're hearing? That's what I'm hearing. I'm okay. doing my Jimmy Jimerson Jr. third. I'm uh. hearing that Bridgewater should be able to play tonight. By the way, we're having people suggest that Jimmy Jimerson is also a baseball insider analyst. Well, our Jimmy Jimerson is able to do it. He covers all sports. Don't want to, you know... For instance, if I say to Jimmy Jimerson, uh, hey, what do you make of what's happened with the Dodgers here in the uh, postseason? Well, one thing I'll tell you here is the Dodgers, crucial to them advancing. They're going to need to score more runs than, than, than whatever team they're facing moving forward. Mm. They need to start putting some runs on the board. Okay. And uh, do they have to do it on, on both sides, like offense and defense? Well, I mean, the importance of starting pitching here oh, is of course just... It is. Of course it is. <laughs> can't be understated. Uh, I think an analyst did say that, uh, what, Paulie? It was A-Rod. It was the other <laughs> night A-Rod did this. He goes, you know, if the Astros are going to get back in there, they got to play better on defense and offensively. Yeah. Which is hard to argue. <laughs> if you play better on defense and offensively, you got to play better than the previous game. You're going to have to outscore them is what you're going to have to There's do. no doubt about it. Yeah. Yes, McLovin. I have a question for Jimmy. Is this a must-win game for the Dodgers? <laughs> <laughs> Feels must-win. Yeah. Must win-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Down 3-1, game five, at home. I'm going to guess it's a must-win situation there. All right, what's the poll question we're going to go with? Okay, I have one for you. Sorry, I'll try to deliver this with a straight face. When you hear Browns-Broncos, oh, what's the first thing you think it. of? Don't do it. Don't do it. That's the, what I'm talking about. The drive, the fumble, the color orange all over the place, or Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I'm going to say nothing. Yeah, that wins the poll too easily. And my second one would be the color orange. Yes, what? that's a close second. Nobody uh, cares about the fumble or the drive. Mike Florio mentioned it a number of times this morning, at least once, and showed video of the drive. And I would be shocked if on the broadcast tonight there is no reference to because it. Because the there's nothing else to sell with tonight's game. Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, really? But, so if Baker Mayfield was starting, they wouldn't refer to the drive or the fumble at all with the Broncos playing the Browns. It's not like they play them every other year. That's kind of a strange matchup, Denver and Cleveland. That's once every five years maybe they play each other. That's just my thought. Back to you in the studio. All right. Thank you, Todd. God. Jared Goff has a chip on his shoulder. We'll hear from him coming up. Seton Pauly, Fritzy McLovin. Here's truly here on the Dan Patrick Show. 